Hello, and welcome to episode 424 of the official EstablishingRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva, and it is nearly final exam time. Next two weekends will be the fig- biggest fantasy draft days of the whole year. Evan, how's it going? Good, good. Um, right, right. Uh, oh, people need to catch the uh, the Sigmund Bloom debate show that we just recorded. Yeah. I think people get a kick out of debates. People love to hear Sigmund Bloom talk about fantasy football, football life in general. Um, dude is an absolute philosopher, and uh, make sure you check that out. Yep, that will be out uh, a couple episodes from now. It'll be episode four twenty six. Stay tuned for that. On today's show, we're going to cover the news of the last week. And as I said on previous episodes, a big part of this is understanding what's actually news and what isn't. Like most of the preseason snap stuff and camp quote-unquote reports, they don't really matter. But what does matter matters a lot, I think, and that's our job. Speaking of our job, I know you all have drafts coming up. You're going to see a lot of people out there pushing their rankings. Everyone's got rankings. There are some absolutely ridiculously silly rankings out there. No one takes them as seriously as us and puts in as much work as us to make sure they are as strong as possible. We have a team of full-blown virgins, handpicked by Silva and I. We're following every bit of news, updating target shares, care projections, literally down to the decimal point. All of that flows through to our rankings and makes it so you can be sure when your draft comes, you will have all the most up-to-date info. Also, before we get into it today, note this podcast is brought to you by underdogfantasy.com. They have this ridiculous 2 million to first, 1 million to second, Fantasy tournament running right now. If you use promo code ETR when you sign up, they will match your first deposit up to $100. That's promo code ETR for $100 at Underdog Fantasy. Last thing, early bird special is expiring Wednesday, August 24th. So if you haven't purchased the early bird yet, price will be going up as of Thursday, the 25th. All right, Evan. Some things we saw from the preseason game. And the first one wasn't really a snap count thing, but it was Christian Kirk making his Jaguars debut. And it was Christian Kirk smashing in his Jaguars debut. Was on for 32 out of Trevor Lawrence's 39 snaps. 16 of those came in the slot. Eight targets for Christian Kirk on those 32 snaps. 38% target share from Trevor Lawrence, 554-0 result. I know you've been way higher than marking on Christian Kirk. Uh, previously, I've gotten higher on him. As well, good to see Christian Kirk. Any takeaways from that one? Confirmation bias, SZN, uh, <laughs> is, is what we're having here. Um, but, I, you know, it's just, that's what it is. It's, it's confirmation bias that, you know, that, that we were right to be super high on him. I mean, his target competition, he's dealing with Marvin Jones, who really looked, to, in terms of his efficiency metrics, really looked to start falling off the cliff last year. I mean, he's 32 years old now. And I mean, I mean, we're to the point where people are starting to talk up Zay Jones, who has stunk for five years in the NFL mm-hmm. before like a decent four game run to close out last season. Um, and then Evan Ingram, you know, and I, Evan Ingram's got potential. He's always had that potential, but he's never actually realized that potential. Christian Kirk, I think maybe you could say the same thing a little bit in that respect, but we know that he can play inside and out. He can win downfield. He was a great return man. Uh, in his college career at Texas A&M. And we had Matt Harmon on the show. Uh, and in his reception perception, he really came away liking Christian mm-hmm. Kirk. And the, the the target upside is there. The Trevor Lawrence leap potential is there. I, to me, Christian Kirk is a guy who's easy to be high on. Easy. Agreed. And I don't think you had any rankings change there because you were already so high on him. Correct? Right. I, I thought about moving him up. more but i was just like ah i don't want to be irresponsible but he's very much if you're using the top 150 
like you're, you have a really good chance that you're going to get Christian Kirk. Let's go to the Pittsburgh situation. So kind of what we speculated on and what the Steelers are speculating on, it looks like it's going to come to fruition. Trace Claypool played 16 snaps in Saturday's preseason game. 13 of them were in the slot. And remember, Chase Claypool is, I mean, massive. I think 6'4", 238, 13 of 16 snaps in the slot. Now, they were only in a two-wide receiver set. Uh, they were in a two-wide receiver set on four out of their 25 first-team snaps. And so who's out there in two-wide receiver sets? Deontay Johnson was out there for all four. Then two of them were with Claypool, and two of them were with Pickens. But what do you think about Chase Claypool in this big slot role, and how does this thing make you uh, affect your thoughts on Deontay and or Pickens. I mean, I think that this had become the expectation for Chase Claypool that he was going to be a big slot receiver now. Uh, the offense is entirely different now. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, who had controlled the offense before, is gone. Matt Canada, uh, uh, somewhat famously in college circles, creative mind, uh, is now the new uh, OC, and he's the actual engineer of the offense. He was the OC before, but now he's actually engineering the offense. Um I would almost say, though, that the biggest takeaway here is that George Pickens is locked into two receiver sets and Chase Claypool is the third receiver. D did you have the same takeaway? I mean, look, I love it from a mismatch standpoint, but it seemed to me like Pickens is now like the locked in number two across from Deontay and Claypool is going to play in three receiver sets. They're going to be a three receiver team, though. Uh, yeah, I think they'll be mostly a three-receiver team. Again, they were in three wide receiver sets on 21 out of 25 first-team snaps in that preseason game. When they do go too wide, though, I can see some rotation between Pickens and Claypool, honestly, but I don't think they'll be in too wide very much. Let's yeah. go to Seattle running back situation. So Kenneth Walker, you know, Pete Carroll is always so rosy about his players and their injuries and their performance. He sounded actually concerned about Kenneth Walker, and that's yeah. a concern to me so for now we're projecting Kenneth Walker not to be ready for week one obviously that's good news for Rashad Penny I think the assumption along a lot of lines was hey Rashad Penny can't stay healthy but Kenneth Walker is this young guy he will stay healthy now it looks like it's flipped Rashad Penny is the healthy one have you moved up Rashad Penny and what do you think about the Seattle running back stuff um I haven't moved up Penny yet um I did move Walker way down yep um I I don't want Kenneth Walker I mean, he's, he's injured. He has no, he had no receiving profile coming out of college. The offense is going to be a disaster. And his upside is to be a two-way committee back with Rashad Penny and Travis Homer or DJ Dallas. It looks like Travis Homer right now, stealing the passing down work yep. with Geno Smith and fucking Drew Lockett quarterback. I, <laughs> you can have Kenneth Walker. Yeah. I think that was a good point, especially the point about sharing early down work and not getting base work. I mean, it's so funny. The, the Seahawks use a first-round pick on Rashad Penny, a second-round pick on Kenneth Walker, and still don't even have their pass downs covered. They're still using Travis Homer and DJ Dallas on pass downs. I mean, just total, total, total incompetence there. Agreed. I do think that Rashad Penny is maybe interesting. I think Walker's going to be out for a long time, but man, you know, the efficiency that he showed down the stretch last year is obviously unsustainable. The team's going to be Really, and this really hernia bad. surgery thing is like, you know, it, it's it's not necessarily like a, a severe injury, but it can prevent, it can cost you your conditioning sure. and it can start to become like a long drawn out process. Just don't, don't draft Kenneth Walker this year. Sure. Let's go to uh, Damian Pierce. So Evan has been a very aggressive moving up Damian Pierce and the Texans appear to be very excited about Damian Pierce as well. They made Rex Burkhead play in the preseason game on Saturday. They made Marlon Mack play in the preseason game on Saturday. Damian Pierce, along with Brandon Cooks, sat out the game. And that was obviously a really good sign 
for Damian Pierce. I gave my Pierce take on Market Monday yesterday, Evan, but it seems like you're trying to get way ahead of market on Damian yeah. Pierce now. Go ahead. Yeah, I want Damian Pierce. I want him on my teams. Um, I think he's a, a really good player. Um, and, I, you know, shout out to Josh Norris for being very, very early on Damian Pierce. Didn't have a good mock draft uh, this year, but he was, I think, right on Damian Pierce. And uh, Damian Pierce can, I mean, they're already treating him like a starter. You do not see teams treat fourth round picks sitting them in the second preseason game. He can play in the passing game. His cutting ability is really impressive. His vision, he's just, he's done everything right um, so far. And, and he's being rewarded for it. And Rex Burkhead is probably going to steal some passing down stuff from him. But I think more is like a, a designated pass protector. Uh, and then Marlon Mack is just, you know, he's one of these Achilles running backs. You just, you never know what you're going to get when they come back from that. Um, yeah. You know, I, 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 I like the complexion of the Texans offensive line as an underrated unit, as we discussed with Brandon Thorne. I, I want Damian Pierce on my teams. When I moved him up to RB23, Leone threw a fit. I mean, oh God, you know, he can't. You know, he's in his basement fuming, just fuming about seeing Damian Pierce being ranked all of a sudden ahead of his boy, J.K. Dobbins, the injured committee back who isn't going to catch passes in Baltimore. I, it was, I'm sure it was so tough for him. <laughs> yes, agreed. I think that the, the bear case for Damian Pierce is that, hey, Marlon Mack and Rex Brooker are going to still be part of it, and the Texas offense is going to be really bad. But, you know, I, I, still, I still like being in on – Damian Pierce. I'm not as excited as Evan, but I'm still in on him for sure. James Robinson news expected to get cleared for week one. You know, how effective will he be? Will he actually play week one? How long till how long till he's himself? I think those are all questions that still need to be answered. Remember, he tore his Achilles in December of last year. Obviously, we I don't have any or much interest in James Robinson here, but Evan, have you considered moving Travis Etienne down at all on some of this James Robinson news? No, because I'm just kind of trusting my instincts here and, and keeping James Robinson very low and being very skeptical about running backs coming back, back from torn Achilles. Just I, I I'm going to believe it when I see it, mm -hmm. you know, and also, you know, this is not a regime that is attached at all to James Robinson, who was undrafted by a previous regime. This regime did draft Snoop Connor. Um, I just I don't I, I don't understand the the uh, the the bull case for James Robinson. But if you want to go hear a good debate about this, check out the Sigmund Bloom episode that I previously mentioned, because we talked specifically about this situation in Jacksonville. We have more evidence that Brian Robinson is threatening, if not surpassing Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson did not start the preseason game on Saturday. Brian Robinson did. Antonio Gibson was returning the kick. Now, Antonio Gibson did mix in and play a decent amount, but J.D. McKissick was out. And so Gibson was handling the pass downs. You have Brian Robinson at 106th overall right now. I think the concern is that Brian Robinson's not going to catch very many passes, that he might have to share some work on early downs with Antonio Gibson. But man, I mean, right now it looks like Washington prefers Brian Robinson. What's your updated take on Washington football team slash commander's background? I would Back be worried about Antonio Gibson essentially falling to third string on the depth chart. Because we know McKissick has his locked-in role. I mean, they're not even using him in the preseason. They're saving him. And then Brian Robinson appears to have supplanted him as the number one rusher on the team. Brian Robinson, I mean, I like is like, um, you know, like an, uh, an O'Roy bet, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, but, I mean, I, and I, I like him as a player, but he, uh, 
he's still going to, you know, he's going to be in the same situation that Antonio Gibson was going to be in terms of not getting a lot of receiving work. And they would even force it to Antonio Gibson on early downs. Last year, I think he still wound up, wound up like 35 catches, even though he was, uh, you know, in theory, losing passing down work to, to J.D. McKissick. So, and Brian Robinson isn't as good in the passing game as Antonio Gibson. So the ceiling is capped. I don't think I'm going to go any higher than 106 or whatever he is right now on Brian Robinson. Um, but I, I think that he's, you know, very draft worthy in like the ninth, 10th round. Uh, and I don't, I just, I really, I don't want any part of Antonio Gibson at this point. Yeah. Uh, big gap in Evans rankings now between somebody like Damian Pierce and someone like Brian Robinson. You may think they're both kind of buzzy rookies. I agree that Damian Pierce's ceiling is way higher. He can be a true three down back. Brian Robinson's ceiling is capped. As Evan said, Evan has Brian Robinson RB 41 and Damian Pierce RB 23. Let's go to Kenyon Drake getting cut. I, I don't think this was really a change because we were already assuming that Josh Jacobs would not have the pass down role. In other words, Josh McDaniels is going to have someone in that role. It was going to be Amir Abdullah or Brandon Bolden or Kenyon Drake. Well, it won't be Kenyon Drake. And then we also have Zamir White threatening Josh Jacobs on early down. So I don't think there was really need for a change here, Evan. But what do you think of Kenyon Drake getting cut? Um, I guess not terribly surprising. Um, it's just this has always been a very convoluted backfield. And I, I really, the only guy that I'm willing to take right now uh, respective ADP is Zamir White, who I think might already be the best runner in the backfield. I think there's still a chance that J Josh Jacobs could get moved, although I think that, you know, that's usually unlikely. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's going to be a, a three-way deal, you know, and, uh, and and that's not including Brandon Bolden, who the you know is a special teamer, but the coaching staff trusts uh, based on their history in New England. But right now I, I would project Josh Jacobs as the, the technically the lead back, Zamir White as the clear number two, and then Amir Abdullah as the passing down specialist. Let's go to uh, probably the most disappointing slash confusing preseason usage of this whole time has been Albert O. Albert O, the Broncos have been resting all their starters, all pre, like anybody who they think is a starter has not been playing. Albert O has been playing. And not only had they forced him to play, but he's been playing into the fourth quarter with like, third fourth fifth stringers and mm -hmm. i don't know exactly why there's been some light reports that hey his blocking needs improvement he's learning a new playbook he needs to be out there i don't know man it, it's scary to the point where i backed off a little bit on albert oh i don't want to go into full bone plant full blown panic evan what's your latest take on all this stuff going on with albert oh yeah i mean i thought a lot about it and you know I've, I've read about it you know read the beat articles seen what's been happening on the field and i i i'm i'm not i didn't move him at all and i don't think i'm in any rush to move him um you know this uh, you know we're, we're bayesian in our process and if we get new information then we we will change but i'm just not sure this is superly you know or superbly like tr truly like new information um, Greg Dulcich has been injured. He has mm -hmm. really struggled to even get on the field going back to minicamp. So people can talk about him, but I mean, he, it's not like he's out there taking Albert over's starting job. Like he's on the sideline. Um, it's been like Eric Seibert and, and guys like that. Right. Right. I, I think that, but Albert O has also been starting. And, and, and if you look at the complexion of the tight end position in fantasy football, you've got five studs, I think eight or nine every week starters. And then you got to just a, a bunch of mush and Albert O to me has more upside than any member of that mush. 
And so therefore I'm going to keep him as like the tight end 10 or whatever I have him as right now, because he's got upside way higher than, you know, Mike Jasicki or, you know, a bunch of these goofballs that we're talking about in the, you know, tight end uh, 10 through 24 range. Yeah. It's tough, man. I really liked Albert O a lot where he was going. I mean, he was going so late, like 130th, 140th overall. Now he'll start to go yeah. even later. And I do like still yeah. taking shots on him there. As Evan said, he's still the starter. He likely needs work. He's still a really young player who yeah. likely needs work. And yeah, so, and it's a new coaching staff, you know, yeah. a coaching staff that didn't didn't bring him in. Um, but I mean, they they really don't have great alternatives either. And I mean, he's in at the end of the day, like he's started. So yeah. And he probably does need reps blocking. Like, let, let's be real. He probably does need the reps. Let's go to another buzzworthy tight end, Isaiah Likely. I mean, we talked about him last week on this show, but he did it again. Now he's played 42 snaps this preseason. It's resulted in 12 catches, 144 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, the dude looks absolutely unstoppable out there. My concern is that he kind of plays a move tight end spot, i.e. he lines up split or wide, slot or wide. And that's where Mark Andrews likes to line up as well. Can they play two move tight ends at the same time obviously they're going to play a lot of one in line one move tight end can they play two move tight ends at the same time I don't know about that but this dude clearly looks like he can play what do you think about Isaiah Likely and how viable he is in year one yeah he's he's very very interesting he was hyper productive at Coastal Carolina uh, and he's a really good athlete based on the uh, measurables that we have on him he didn't do a full combine workout um, but he had a 36 inch vertical which is fucking awesome for a tight end. And then he comes out, and I mean, he's he's crushing in the preseason. Can they play two move tight ends? You know, I, I Nick Boyle's going to be involved, you know, as gross as that sounds. But, I mean, he that's the blocker. They're going to use a lot of two tight end and three tight end sets, like legitimate three tight end mm -hmm. sets. And, and I got a bunch of questions on Twitter like, hey, should we move down Mark Andrews because I, Isaiah Likely is balling? And my answer was no. Um what this who this really hurts is like those uh, the the number two receiver competitors james prochet and yeah, duvernay yeah duvernay and, and all those guys because those guys are just going to play less and they're going to play more tight ends right um so we're, we're not docking mark andrews here we're we're just ignoring um you remember during our, our q a some guy was like hey you know who should we be targeting behind rashad bateman on the receiver depth chart in baltimore and the answer was no one right I mean, beat writer speculation now from Jameson Hensley and others is that Isaiah likely is in the pole position to be the third target for Lamar Jackson behind Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman. I don't know how valuable that role is because I think it'll be a bit rotational. But yeah, he's certainly on my radar. I would not have him in the top 150, though, but he is at least interesting. Go to the Chargers running back situation and a guy that we were kind of excited about, Isaiah Spiller, has not been the best camp for Isaiah Spiller was not separating. In fact, was losing the battle, it seemed like, to Josh Kelly anyways, and then hurts his ankle in the preseason game on Saturday night. Now it looks like Isaiah Spiller is being considered week to week. I made uh, a note in my favorite Flyers article to kind of uh, back off Isaiah Spiller a bit. I know you've dropped him in the 150 as well. Latest take on Chargers running backs. Yeah, I mean, I just I wanted to be excited about Isaiah Spiller, and he's just given us reasons to be much less excited about him. Yeah, I uh, haven't moved Josh Kelly into anything, you know, in, in any range, uh, any special range where we're trying to draft him. Um, you know, just 
kind of playing it by ear uh, regarding this situation and, and drafting the hell out of Austin Eckler up there in the, in the top six. Yeah, I, I do think it's good for Austin Eckler because I do think they sure. want to reduce his workload some, but they can't find anybody to do it. I mean, they, they I don't think Josh Kelly's very good. We know Larry Roundtree's not very good, and now they have this Spiller situation. So I think it's good for Austin Eckler sure. um, as well. Let's go to a quick note on the Patriots. Kendrick Bourne reportedly slide, has slid down the depth chart to the point where he's the number four wide receiver now and so i know there were some kendrick Bourne stands out there i made fun of the contract that the patriots gave uh, kendrick Bourne last year when it happened and all the patriots fans were up in arms about it he's now the number four behind Devontae parker jacoby myers nelson aguilar so just want to put that out there for anyone interested in patriots stuff let's go to imagine being a stand for a wide receiver who runs a four eight forty it's ridiculous um Tampa bay rashad white got into the game ahead of Keyshawn Vaughn. I thought that was notable just because rookies don't always get that with Tom Brady. So Rashad White looks to be in good position. Gio Bernard's been hurt and is a cut candidate. It's possible the Bucs just go with three running backs, Lenny, Rashad White, and Keyshawn Vaughn. And it looks like Rashad White's ahead of Keyshawn Vaughn. So good signs on Rashad White. I know we've been pretty high on him throughout the process, Evan. Yeah, I mean, um, I never moved him down, so I didn't have to move him up. Um, this is just kind of how the preseason very often works. Like, you know, they'll make the rookies start off behind and then they'll give them opportunities in practice. And if they perform, like they get a chance to move up the depth chart. And I think that's what we're seeing here with uh, Rashad White. Now let's go to Buffalo. Uh, so we've been watching this McKenzie versus Crowder slot battle very closely. Josh Allen only played six snaps uh, on Saturday, but Isaiah McKenzie was in for five of them. Jameson Crowder, Zero. And, you know, Joe B has been just adamant that McKenzie is winning this battle and is going to win this mm-hmm. battle. We know when Cole Beasy was out for two games last year, Isaiah McKenzie had two huge, huge, huge games. So I've been in on McKenzie. I know uh, there's some people that think it's going to be more rotation with Crowder still. We'll see on that. But I think week one in three wide receiver sets is going to open with Isaiah McKenzie in the slot. And to me, that's exciting. Any takes there on McKenzie and Crowder, Evan? No, I think that you summarized that well. Uh, are you concerned about James Cook? Because Devin Singletary got nine snaps with kind of the first group. Josh Allen left, but they had a first group still in there. Devin Singletary, nine snaps. Zach Moss, three. James Cook, only one. And James Cook also got tackled at the one-yard line. They take him out and bring Zach Moss in to punch it in. You know, if it's going to be three-way backfield, I'm starting to get a little bit more concerned on James Cook. I know you've tried to hold strong on him what do you think about buffalo backfield i think that it will be uh open the season being technically a three-man backfield but uh you know i think talent rises and james cook is just so much more athletic than the other rbs in that backfield that i think the talent will rise but it, it's going to take some time and that's why you know you don't draft james cook until you know rb4 territory at at, at most go to the chief stuff uh the running backs you know at this point, it'd be surprised to me if Ronald Jones makes the team. Patrick Mahomes played 36 snaps this preseason. Ronald Jones has been on for zero of them. He's played exclusively with the backups. The way the running backs were used in week two of the Chiefs preseason, I thought was what I think it will look like in the regular season. CEH was the clear feature back, and McKinnon came on for clear pass downs, and Pacheco was like one snap for a breather back roll. And I think that's how it's going to be. We talked about the Pacheco hype just getting ridiculously out of control. I do think the main backs will be CEH and Jarek, at least, to open the year. Any more takes on Chiefs backfield? Nope. I mean, but it also looks to me like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is sticking in this early down role 
and they're giving the passing down stuff to, McKinnon, you know, yeah. McKinnon and Pacheco. And yeah. that's really frustrating, especially based on how Clyde Edwards Hilaire was used in college. He was a prolific receiving back where they took him in the draft. Um, I, I, I still feel this like gravitational pull toward me, like wanting to be high on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, but I just, I haven't gotten there yet because just the, 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 the seas have not parted for him to be put in that kind of a position. Yeah. I do think that with how much they throw, CH can still catch a lot of passes as the early down back, but you just have to be aware that when they're in that two minute and four minutes, it's likely going to be McKinnon. Oh, while we're on the chief stuff. So I'm sure you saw this stuff, Evan, you know, I've talked about Travis Kelsey's age. Obviously he's up there in the age model, 33 years old, entering his age 30. Every season, his snap rate the last four years has been declining, you know, 95%, 92%, 86%, 82%. He hasn't played as much in this preseason as he normally does. He's played a lot less. I guess it's not that Travis Kelsey isn't going to play and have a great year and be out there a ton. But we're talking about a first-round pick here, and he was only going to play 75% of the snaps. I do think that that's a little bit of a concern. Now, I'm not panicking. I wouldn't move him down. I just wanted to put it out there that the dude is old, and they might be backing off him a little bit. Go ahead, Evan. Do you think that there's concern? He didn't look old in the playoffs, you know, where he gets 100 yards every game. So, I, no, I'm, I'm not. That's not. I think it's ridiculous. Okay. I don't. I, I can't even believe that people are bringing that shit up. Like, okay. Uh, one more Chiefs note. So Juju and Hardman didn't play on Saturday. Juju and Hardman didn't. But Sky Moore still wasn't on the field for two wide mm. receiver sets. It was Justin Watson uh, out mm. there with MVS in two wide receiver sets, and that's. And not a concern because I don't think that they often give it to rookies, but they are letting Pacheco play with the Mahomes group some. And they're not letting Sky Moore play with the Mahomes group at all. I still think get them getting Sky Moore featured would be good for the offense, and it will happen. But I think expectations for early in the year for Sky Moore need to be temp- need to be tempered. Any rankings change on Sky Moore? No, um, but I also have not been drafting him. Like I, I, I just I never get him because he always goes earlier than than you know than than where I'm willing to take him. Um, and that's not because I'm I don't feel like I'm down on him. It's just I just in every draft there's always someone who's willing to take him two rounds before I, I would even consider him. And that's just you know sometimes that's that's how it goes. Yep. Uh, we talked about Matthew Stafford's elbow a couple weeks ago. Since then, he threw like 75 times in a scrimmage and has been practicing fully ever since. So I think at this point, it's safe to say that Matthew Stafford's elbow is completely fine. He's still not the type of quarterback that I like to target right. in fantasy, but it's certainly good for Allen Robinson. It's certainly good for Cooper Cup, the entire offense that Matthew Stafford appears to be fine. Don't think there's much more to say there. Mention it on the quarterback strategy art, uh, podcast with uh, Leone. That I mean, Matthew Stafford threw 41 touchdown passes last year. He was still only 10th in points per game amongst yeah. quarterbacks. Um, so we had spent some time on Tyrion Davis Price. I thought he was an interesting flyer. I still think he's an interesting flyer, but even with Eli Mitchell out, the 49ers started Trey Sermon last week and they used Michael Hasty on pass downs. TDP came in afterwards. And so if we thought that uh it was if we thought Trey Sermon was dead, maybe we need to reconsider that which obviously wouldn't be good for tdp so what's your updated take on Tyrion davis price uh he's an intriguing late round pick uh, and that would be about the extent of the analysis uh you know, yeah. I don't, I, i'm not a trey sermon guy like at all i mean the, the, the dude runs like a fullback so 
I, I can't do Trey Sermon. Yeah. No. I, I can't do Trey Sermon either, but I, I'm worried that he's going to be annoying and be part of yeah, and be he, part he of might, the mix. He might be. He might be. Yeah. I mean, until he's inactive on game days. Yeah. But, you know, that, that, that'll only a matter of time. All right, last thing we got to do here is the Giants and Daniel Jones stuff. So every time there's a bad report about Daniel Jones, people just blow up my mentions. I mean, like hundreds <laughs> of people were like, see, Daniel Jones sucks. And the latest one that happened was Brian Dayball said something to the effect of, uh, we're going to get Tyra Taylor some yeah. first team reps uh, in a preseason game. And Dayball was not saying this because Daniel Jones' job was in trouble. He was saying this because Daniel Jones could get hurt or benched, who knows, and Tyrod Taylor may have to play. This is no bearing, though on Daniel Jones' ability to start week one and be the quarterback that the, the Giants are committed to. On top of that, I think Daniel Jones has played really well in both preseason games. He went 14 of 16 in the last preseason game. He did throw an interception, but it wasn't his fault. Dable was very clear, bounced off, I believe it was Bellinger's hands, and went for an interception. So my bottom line here is that, no, I'm not worried about Daniel Jones. Nothing has changed on Daniel Jones. Tyrod Taylor is a fine backup. I think not as good of a backup as he used to be when he was much, 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 much younger. I don't think he's a real threat to Daniel Jones unless he completely completely falls on his face at which point we wouldn't really be starting or using Daniel Jones in fantasy anyways. So yeah, that was my Daniel Jones rant. <laughs> Nothing has changed. I assume my, you have uh, no change on, on my, Daniel Jones either. My, uh, my best friend growing up, uh, he, he lived across the street from me in, uh, in Arlington, Virginia. And we uh, just like reconnected recently. He's a he massive giants fan. <laughs> and him. he just, he texted me. He goes, Galladay can't catch shit. Tony <laughs> could be in jail by week five. <laughs> Shepard could be on IR by week six. And Robinson, the five foot seven rookie, could be the number one by week seven. The wide receivers are a train wreck. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a fine point. I mean, Tony's been hurt. Galladay's been awful. And I think Dable has hinted at Colin Johnson or someone else actually yeah. taking snaps from Galladay. We'll see if that happens. But yeah, it's obviously not. The weaponry thing is not as strong as as it was earlier in the year. It just doesn't look as great. But hopefully Tony can get back out there, be healthy, and, and live up to his potential because I think it is pretty high. All right. Anyways, had to get the Daniel Jones rant off my chest. We'll be back later this week with our round-by-round favorite targets in each round. For each of us, one of those popular episodes we do every year. Stay tuned for that. For Evan. For Bruce Luke. I'm Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.